I've listened to Mothership by Dance Gavin Dance for five years. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me is Connor. Happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you. We're doing that again? Yes. This. Happy birthday to you. This is, as a matter of fact, still a birthday episode, but it's not for Happy the podcast. Happy birthday, dear James. It's for me. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. And many and more. Many more. Yeah. Thank you. I was because you better add that on. <laughs> I was gonna say the, the mixtaper came in for that part. <laughs> well, that's much appreciated. This week we're talking about an album that I really like because it's part. Well, for a couple reasons. One reason is this is a band that I love, and you know it's my birthday, so you're gonna have to deal with it. But then the other reason is they just put out a brand new album today. Literally the Friday that this episode comes out, you can go listen to their brand new album, Jackpot Juicer. Yeah, that band is. Dance, Gavin, dance. I knew that. I knew that was happening. You sure did. I, uh, I've i talked about it for weeks. Oh, I didn't know about it at all because of you. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Wow. Okay. I was in the room when the mixtaper was doing Factor Spin and saw news about an, an album dropping soon. Oh, well, then yes, that's true. I figured it'd be a very appropriate day to talk about Dance, Gavin, dance with, with the new album dropping and stuff. From what I've heard in the singles, obviously haven't listened to the album yet because we needed to make this episode before it was out. The singles are fantastic, and I'm so excited. And you just can't hide it. (sighs) If you're listening to this episode on Friday, there's a very high chance that I'm currently listening to Jackpot Juicer because it will just be on repeat all day. Unless it sucks. It it shouldn't. No, it shouldn't (laughs) suck. (laughs) But what if it does? Well, if it does, then I guess they've let me down for the first time in their career. But let's talk about Dance Gavin Dance. It's a band you probably have only heard of because, you know, our mutual friends and I talk about them a lot. Is that true? Yes. You sound unsure. I'm not good at tests. Well, wasn't it? It was more like a pop quiz. Oh, I'm not good at those either, or game shows. No? You you seem to be pretty good at game shows. I've seen your Factor Spin record. (laughs) Oh, oh, well, uh, yes, I guess in that regard, I'm a great game show player. But, <laughs> I was going to uh, say, I'm a great game show. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, I've heard you, I've heard you mention, I, I always just thought it was you cheering on some other friend named, named Gavin. Gavin. Just telling Gavin to really express himself through physical movement yeah. to rhythm. Yeah. yeah, no, it hasn't quite been like that. But I can teach you a little bit more about Dance Gavin Dance, so you can participate in the conversations with us now. Dance Gavin Dance formed in 2005 in Sacramento, California, and they've been with Rise Records for pretty much their entire career. Their current lineup includes founding guitarist Will Swan, founding drummer Matt Mingus, John Mess, who is the unclean vocalist, you know, he screams, They've added Andrew Wells to the lineup, which is very exciting, and clean vocalist Tillian Pearson, but there have been some pretty well-substantiated accusations against him, and he stepped away from the band indefinitely. Even though, he's still featured on Jackpot Juicer, by the way. That's still a thing that's happening. Oh, interesting. Well, they recorded the album long before any of these allegations came to light, and 
they wanted to put out the album anyway because it features their former bass player, longtime bassist Tim Furyk, who started playing bass with the band in 2009 and in 2010. And then again from 2012 up until 2022 when tragically he actually passed away earlier this year. Oh no! Yeah, it was really sad and totally unexpected. And so the band decided to put out this album as is. Well, not only because they love it and they've put a lot of work into it, but also because it's his last body of work. And so it's kind of in memoriam, right? I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, other notable former members of the band also include former vocalist Johnny Craig, who was with the band from 2005 to 2007, and then again from 2010 to 2012. And the other former vocalist, Kurt Travis, who was there from 2007 to 2010. And of course, they've had a slew of other bassists and guitar players, including Eric Lodge, Josh Benton, Zachary Guerin, and more. But mostly, that's the Dance Gavin dance you need to know. And for Mothership, we're talking about Will Swan, Matt Mingus, John Mess, Tillian Pearson, and Tim Furyk. That's the five. The era of the band that's been dubbed the Tillian era, which is pretty much uh, mostly still their current era, It's lasted for the band's most recent six albums, from 2013's Acceptance Speech up until today's Jackpot Juicer. And Dance Gavin Dance also comes from a lot of bands themselves, and they have a lot of side projects. Castilian was formerly in a band called Tides of Man. Uh, The band also has Royal Coda and Secret Band that contain Dance Gavin Dance members. Secret Band in particular is very interesting. Interesting. Yeah, they, they made it as a side project to kind of do music without one of the vocalists, and and it's just continued oh. as a secret band, a, an open secret. It's not the only side project band we're going to talk about today. I'm sure it's not. This band, Dance Gavin Dance, has a wide, wide range of influences. They have claimed everyone from Radiohead to Usher to MF Doom to The Temptations to Phil Collins to Earth, Wind & Fire... A lot of different things get incorporated into their pretty revolutionary signature post-hardcore style. And I think that's part of what gives them such a unique flavor, you know? They're not just post-hardcore. They don't just scream. They also have little funk sections and little rap sections and little... Every Dance Gavin dance song feels like a like an unexpected journey through a weird blend of genres. But I think that's really interesting. A couple trivia tidbits about the band you may or may not want to know, but probably you do. The band releases instrumental versions of all their albums, which is actually... I did not know this. Really? No? Yeah, it's actually a really, really cool thing that they do since their instrumentation is so elaborate, especially Will Swan's guitar playing. Yeah. I mean, people love to listen to it and learn to play along, so all their albums come with instrumental companions. Can we do the instrumental version? I mean, (laughs) we can listen through the instrumental version and then give it a score, I guess. But we're, it's too late. We're already on the vocals version. Aww. I know. There's no shortage of tutorial videos online for how these songs are played because so many people have picked up a guitar or picked up their drumsticks or picked up a bass and, you know, just tried to play along with some of these really tricky instrumental parts. Other trivia tidbits, Dance Gavin Dance also hosts an annual music festival, Swan Fest, which is named after, of course, Will Swan. Featured artists that they've had in the past include... Animals as Leaders, Knocked Loose, Hail the Sun, and Anthony Green, who we talked about way back in episode 17. They also have a tendency to make pretty wild music videos for each of their albums. They kind of follow a theme for each record, right? 
for example, Jackpot Juicer has a whole saga of music videos for these singles about a giant rat king who is like imprisoned all the band members. It's the thing that sounds weird for me to explain, and it's going to look weird for you to watch. And it may just be a thing you need to watch on your own and figure it out. I see. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they're they're enjoyable, but they're just brace yourself is all, all I can really give you. This week, we're focusing in on their album, Mothership. It's pretty darn close to my top favorite Dance Gavin Dance album. And beyond favorites, I think it's one of their albums that's the most cleanly put together. I think these songs mesh well in a way that some of the other albums just haven't quite been Mm -hmm. able to achieve. The album came out in 2016. I found it in 2017. So, you know, I wasn't there at release, but I was there shortly after. It's very, it's post-hardcore is Dance Gavin Dance's technical genre. So take hardcore music, right? And then go past it. Go after it. That's that's post-hardcore. Oh, I thought it was like... Never mind, that was just going to be the dumbest thing I've ever said. Oh, please. Well, now I have to know. I was going to try to make a joke about a about like a post, like a fence post. Yeah, like a stick in the ground. Yeah, and how you shouldn't go past it. That's post-post. Oh. <laughs> Where's... Oh, man, this is hard to its core. Stop. I, I knew I'd ruin it eventually. Yeah. I knew you'd only be able to go along with that for so long. You just had to push it far enough, yeah. <laughs> past, the, past the post, right? Past the post. You really <laughs> passed the post on that joke. <laughs> Mothership is Dance Gavin Dance's seventh overall studio album and their third during the Tillian era. Lucky number seven. That's right. Lucky number seven. It was pretty lucky for them, actually. It was a huge seller. Sold over 19,000 copies in its first week, and it debuted at number 13 on the Billboard 200. Which, I mean, for an album like this, number 13 overall is a pretty strong debut. They recorded this album in just two months, and it features contributions from, like we mentioned, future member Andrew Wells of Idola, as well as members of Hail the Sun, Strawberry Girls, and Secret Band, if you can believe it. I can't. You can't. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable? You know what else is probably unbelievable? Every word that comes out of the mixtaper's mouth. Oh, are we there already? Yeah, it's Factor Spin Time. We got here so fast. Well, I mean, there's a lot of album to talk about. Fair enough. Let's just, and there's a lot of facts and or spins to talk about, so let's just get them on out here. That's true. Oh, I'm so excited to hear your thoughts on this album. And I think they're going to destroy me, but I want to hear them. Anyway. Hey, it's me, the mixtaper. Yo, mixtaper. Yo. How's it going? It, it's, it's, you know, I'm living life. I'm living life. Learn how to make uh, pumpernickel bread. One day at a time. From, from scratch. Nice. I bet your your proficiency in bread making is rising. But <gasps> Really? I don't know if that deserved a, a drum hit. That was the, the yeast I could do. I was trying to be supportive. It's your birthday episode. I'm afraid I'm going to crush you. Oh, you, th- you think I'm going to get a good birthday crushing? <gasps> one can only hope. <laughs> well, that one is not me. In fact, I, I kind of <laughs> hope the opposite. <sighs> Well, let's find out with my first fact. Yeah, hit me with that sweet, sweet fact. Will Swan owns a signed pair of drumsticks. I presume you're talking about drumsticks like little wooden sticks you use to hit drums (laughs) and not like the ice cream that is chocolate-coated peanut-rolled goodness. You went to ice cream versus, like, chicken. Oh, or chicken. I guess it could, you're right. It could be, like, chicken leg. (laughs) What kind of drumsticks does Will own? Uh, the hit the drums kind. Well, okay, but I guess now you could counterpoint, do any of those. you could hit uh, the drums with all three. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the, the wooden sticks okay. that you hit drums with 
if you are a guitar, uh, Josh. <laughs> well, Will Swan is a guitar player. I, I hear. If you, sorry, uh, if you are a drum player. I see. And so, who are these sticks signed by? Anybody significant, or just like uh, his neighbor? Yeah, yeah, somebody very significant. Please do tell. They're signed by Trey Cool. Oh, really? That's Trey Cool. Yeah. From Green Day. The drummer from Green Day. Yes, yes, yes. From from Green Day, which we've done an episode on. Go check it out. It's a good one. Yep. That one's episode 51. Apparently, I giggle a lot. You giggle a lot? Is that what people have... I was told I giggle a lot in that episode. Oh, I've never... I'll have to listen to it again now. Because <laughs> I... Uh, stop. You're giggling a lot in this one, too. Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> Dial it back. It's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's an epidemic. They're going to know I'm funny. The giggle dimmick. No, that one wasn't working. No? Oh, oh. How'd he get these? He's not a drummer. Not that you have to be a drummer to get drumsticks. Bought them. Really? Where'd he buy them from? In an auction. Who was doing the auction? I don't know. Was it like, because, you know, it could have been Green Day auctioning off all their stuff, or it could have just been some collector. I don't know. That he bought them in an auction. How much did he pay for them? Oh, I won't. I know we got a lot to talk about, so I won't make you play guess that dollar amount this time. Oh, thank goodness. But do you have a guess? <laughs> what? So it seems to me like you're still <laughs> making me play the game. <laughs> I just okay. So were they used for anything significant, or are they just a pair of drumsticks that he signed? Did he? Did Trey Cool use them? Were they on? Uh, I I do not have that information. Simply know that they are signed by Trey Cool. Well, that could drastically change the value of them. We'll say no. Nothing cool. Okay. I don't know how much that would even be worth. Four hundred dollars. Well, not bad. Six hundred fifty dollars. Okay, that's pretty close. Yeah. All right. Six hundred fifty dollars for Trey Cool's drumsticks. How does he have them displayed? Do they just sit out? Does he have a case for them? Uh, yeah, he has like a little like stand for them. Uh, the best way I can describe it, it's going to be a weird way to describe it, is like a, a, a katana display. Oh, yeah. Thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, where it's, it's like there's one set in a, in a little cradle and then the other one behind it slightly elevated on another cradle like you would with like a sword and a sheath. Swords, yeah. That makes good sense. Yeah. I think this is a fact. Oh, the fact. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty cool piece of memorabilia, and with such wide influences, I mean, punk rock, snot rock is very obviously part of them. So I can believe that Will Swan, as a fan of music, probably has a signed pair of Trey Cool drumsticks. Let the crushing begin. Really, this is a spin. Really, wow. Yeah, uh, I made it up because I did see Will Swan talk about that he first got interested in pursuing music after seeing Green Day at a concert when he was 12 years old. Oh, so he is a Green Day fan. That's cool. Yeah, just does not own very cool signed drumsticks. Well, I mean, neither do I. Welcome to the Fair club, enough. Will Swan. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess you've been in the club just as long as I have. So, All right, well, the crushing has begun. I'm feeling it a little bit. My next one for you, the band has their own scented candle. That's a cool fact. What's it smell like? It is lemon meringue tie flavored. Lemon <laughs> flavored? Uh, scented, I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the right word. I don't know what you're doing with candles, but I just wanted to double check. <laughs> you don't, wait, you don't eat them? <laughs> no, no. So lemon meringue tie, that's one of the band's bigger songs from way back in the day. So I gathered. Yes, and so it smells like, like a lemon meringue pie then, but a candle. I assume. Very interesting. Oh, this is believable. Darn it. Do they make it themselves? Like who makes this candle? I don't know who makes it, but they sell it on their website. Alongside Strawberry's Revenge Hot Sauce. That is true. I know for a fact that Strawberry's Revenge Hot Sauce exists because I really contemplated buying it when they restocked. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't. 
but I thought about it. Because, you know, so Dance Gavin Dance likes to do a bunch of multi-album song sagas, right? There's the, the robot with the human hair that we'll talk about a little bit on this album. And then there's the Strawberry Saga, which doesn't get a nod on this album, but it comes up other places. I see. It's like a recurring theme. I see. I wondered where they got that name from. Yes. Lemon Meringue Tie was a one-off, but they do make some interesting products, and it wouldn't surprise me. I think I'm going to say this is a... F- Why would you say this would crush me? I think I'm going to say this is a spin. Wait, did I say this would crush I guess I did say this is the next one that would crush you. Well, you did say the whole episode would crush uh, me, and this fact doesn't feel very crushing if it's true. I just am hoping I can defeat you, like give you a crushing defeat. That's all. Uh-huh. But anyway, you're going with spin. I'm literally, I totally would believe this is real. I'm going with spin because this feels like a gimme. This feels like an easy fact if it's true. You didn't even ask that many questions. I had so, some good information that might have helped you. How long does the candle burn? Oh, uh, well, that's a dumb question. Okay, uh, see, so my <laughs> questions are dumb. That's why I'm just moving three, along. I was, well, it's a three wick candle for $25 available on their website. That's a lot and of wicks. There's custom artwork on it done by the Downton Battle Mountain album artist, cover art artist, Mattias Adolfson. Mm, I mean, that makes sense to me because he does all of their art. Anyway, so spin, locking in spin. I think this is a real thing, though. I really think this is a real thing. Last chance to change your mind. I can't change my mind. I, I don't know. You sure? Yes. All right. You lock it in. Say say it. Say I lock in spin. I'm locking in that this is a spin, even though I really think this candle exists. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. This is a spin. <laughs> <laughs> Your mind games. That was really, that was an intense psychological battle. <laughs> it is indeed a spin. Wow. What a good lie. What a good lie. I did so much research for it, and then you just asked like two questions and locked in spin. I was like, no! <laughs> I put all this time and research into the, <laughs> the this one. <laughs> yes. Well, you did a great job with the time and research. That was a very thorough fact. And honestly, that doesn't exist. It, it should. It should. It really should. Dance Gavin Dance, if you're listening, we've got an idea for you. <laughs> we have a lot of good ideas for the bands we and artists we do. Well, we have a lot of ideas for the bands, yes. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. My third supposedly true fact. Gotta stop the crush. Yeah, well, it can still be. It can still be. It's not fatal, but it could still be. It's not fatal. Yeah, it can still be really bad. It could be. Will Swan is also a trumpeter. I hate this fact. I hate what you just did. So why? Well, because the trumpeter Swan is like that's like one of the most famous types of Swan, and so I am already automatically inclined to believe that this is just a pun on his name. Good, wonderful. Proceed with your questions. When did he start playing the trumpet? In high school. I see. And when did he stop playing the trumpet? If ever, if he if he is a trumpeter, that implies that he still plays. Yeah, still actually performs every once in a while as part of a trumpet quartet group. Really? What's this group called? The Bank. The Bank. Interesting. So why doesn't he put more trumpet into Dance Gavin dance songs? Has he commented on that? If it's a thing that he does and does well, well enough to play in a band, I kind of would expect it to make its way into more DGD stuff. Yeah, he says it doesn't fit. 
Well, that may be true, but they try and fit a lot. I mean, they swing pretty wide. He says it's something that he keeps more to his personal side with music and says it doesn't really have a place in the Dance Gavin Dance sound. It may not. I guess that's fair. I cannot get past that this is just a trumpeter swan pun. <laughs> true, like, true or not, that just feels fake. <laughs> and so since this week is supposed to crush me, I kind of want to say it's a fact, even though I really don't think it's true. <laughs> well, what's your answer? Well, just like, so I'm doing, I thought the candle was a shoe-in for a real thing, and so I said spin, and I was right. This feels just so fake. This feels so contrived and forced even to say Will Swan is a trumpeter swan. But I have to say fact because why else would this crush me? Because it's so blatantly a supposed fake fact. Because of the mind games, this is a spin! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I took the bait on that one, but I was right. You took the bait. I was right. I knew that if I put made it sound so obviously false, you wouldn't be able to get past how fake it sounded. Well, I don't... Uh, Yeah, it was absolutely just a trumpeter swan pun. In fact, if you had asked what the names of the other members of the quartet, I had Isabel, Gabrielle, and Chantel, which is the name of the three swans from Looney Tunes. And then if you had asked about the performances, I had a whole bit about them performing at the Wilson Center Saving South American Forest event, which South American Forests are where the trumpeter swan is typically found. So I had a whole whole bunch of trumpeter swan-related bits for this fact that we didn't even get to. No, I I knew that was... I'm sorry that I said fact on that because I just tried to play to you. I tried to play to you and not to the fact, and uh-huh. I paid the price. Yep. And I knew you. I knew you caught up in that. Yep. I got one more bird-related fact for you, though. Great. We love a good bird fact. <laughs> yeah, we do a lot of bird facts on this show. We just did a bird fact last week, <laughs> and a fish fact the week before that. Yeah, Matt taught a parrot to do screamo music. Interesting. Is it his parrot? Or did he teach someone else's parrot to scream? That'd be pretty funny. (laughs) That'd be pretty funny. No, it's his parrot. Hmm, interesting. What kind of music did he teach it? Any bands in particular? Screamo music. Well, yeah, Original screamo songs. Oh, originals? Uh Uh-huh. The parrot makes up screamo music. Well, well, the parrot doesn't make the music, but they get the parrot to sing original songs. Okay, so they, like, teach it stuff they make up. Yeah. What kind of things have they taught it? Does, do you have any lyrics on hand that the parrot will just scream? Ooh, ooh. They put your brains into a parakeet? That's a lyric? Yeah, that, yeah. that's that's the only lyric on their song, Molt Thrower. Wait, what? so you can find lyrics to the song. Has the parrot released music? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the parrot is the frontman, or front bird, maybe, of uh, one of Matt's side bands called Hate Beak. Hate Beak? Uh-huh. Okay. Supposed to be a play on there. There used to be a hardcore metal band called Hate Breed, and so it's supposed to be a parody on that name. Mm-hmm. And so, who plays with this parrot to to release its music? Do they take it into the studio and like have it scream into a microphone and they play tracks with it? Yeah. Wow. Does he drum for it? Yeah. Interesting. The bird had the band. I guess has released four split albums and then one full album that came out in 2015. Oh, is that when was this latest release? Is this parrot still releasing songs? 2018. They did a split album with a group called Borglue called Birdhouse by the Cemetery. <laughs> it's so morbid. <laughs> I think this is mostly true. Mostly true. Oh, but what's the part that's gonna make you say spin? I don't think this is Matt Mingus's parrot. I think this is just a parrot that screams, and you like that. Fair enough. So you're playing me again. Yes. I'm saying this is another spin. 
All right, for the 50-50, that keeps it from being a crushing defeat. Locking in spin. Locking in spin. This fact is a spin. <laughs> for the briefest second, I thought you were about to say it was a fact. <laughs> oh, I wanted to crush you and you wanted to crush me, and instead we just crushed the audience by giving them another 50-50. Cr- You're right. Well, at least you got a little crush. You got a little bit of crushing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I'll take whatever crush I can get. Mixtaper doesn't get many crushes. No, I guess he I guess he wouldn't as a supervillain. Uh, but you absolutely nailed it. This is a true fact about someone, just not Matt. Hatebeak is an American death metal band formed by Blake Harrison and Mark Sloan, featuring Waldo, a gray parrot. That's what an idea. What a concept. Maybe we'll do an episode. <laughs> I really kind of want to. I want to look up their music and listen to it. Save it for a singles episode. <laughs> or add it to the spin cycle. Hatebeak is signed to Reptilian Records. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. I know. And uh, they claim to be the first band to have an avian vocalist, and they never tour, so as not to torture the bird. But as I said, they released their first album back in 2004 called Beak of Putrefaction, uh, split with some other band. Then they did Bird Seeds of Vengeance in 2005. Uh, The Thing That Should Not Beak. Wow, that's a Metallica joke. (laughs) Yeah. In 2007, The Number of the Beak was their solo album. And then, like I said, Birdhouse by the Cemetery in 2018. Wild. Yeah. Have you listened to this? No, I haven't. I ha- I didn't have time. I pulled it up just now. It's unbelievable. Is it good? I mean, it's surprising. I don't know if I'd say it's good, but I'd say it's unique. It's very unique. One of the comments says, this must be Feathercore. <laughs> I just love all the pun names. That's true. That is very nice. Roost in peace instead of rest in peace. That's funny. Seven Perches. I love it. Mm, yeah. Well, thanks for introducing us to Hate Beak. Yeah. Check them out. Mixtaper recommended. Yeah. Mixtaper. <laughs> mixtaper approved. The Bird Metal Band. <laughs> I can't help but think that's on the Mixtaper's like workout playlist. <laughs> he just listens to birds screaming. First off, the Mixtaper does not work out. This body comes naturally. Okay. And secondly, it's absolutely on his cooking playlist, though. Oh. I see. Yeah, when he puts on music while he bakes and mixes, some hate beat going on in the background. Yep. <laughs> and with that, I must go cook up some more facts and spins and communicate with my adoring fans on Twitter. Yep. Well, you have a good time with all that. At the underscore mixtaper. You got it right this I think week. I got it right this time. You did. Good job. <laughs> I'm impressed. I, pra- I practiced in the mirror several times before I came out here. In the the mirror seems unnecessary for you just saying it on an audio podcast, but good for you. <laughs> you do whatever you need to do to get that confidence up. I need to win more rounds of factor spin. Yeah, you gotta stop getting crushed. Whoa, no, no, no. We crushed the audience this week. It was an audience crush. Yeah, this week. That should be the new rule. You know, when you get three, at least three, you win. When I get at least three, I win. But when we split it, the audience loses. <laughs> that, that seems... <laughs> Whatever, sure. <laughs> and with that, I bid you, yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Welcome back, Connor. How are you doing? Pretty good, yeah. The, the, that fact and spin round did not go the way I thought it would go. I thought you would get the scented candle one wrong and the trumpeter one right. I flip-flopped. Flipped those. I did. I, I flipped, and I honestly shouldn't have missed either of them. But, you know, live and learn. Uh, I think it's time to live and learn about the album art. Oh, you want to learn about the album art? Yes, yes. I agree. 
One of the most captivating and fascinating parts about every Dance Gavin Dance album is the artwork, because it's always super highly anticipated, and I don't think it really ever disappoints. As the mixtaper kind of mentioned as part of his little candle spin, all of Dance Gavin Dance's album covers have been designed by Swedish artist Matthias Adolfsson, and they mostly have a lot of intricate little animals and creatures on them. The, you know, jackpot juicer that comes out today features a bunch of fruit in a casino. It's very, very different. And this one features a lot of alien-type animals, and they all are in various poses and situations depending on the album or the single. You know, they've been on cruise ships, they've been fighting and wars they've been gambling and being aliens and just doing all the sorts of fun and wacky things this album mothership depicts the mothership which is that giant yellow infinity shape right it's a big spaceship and it's descending onto a pink planet and the aliens are celebrating its arrival i've always loved this particular album cover i think it's honestly pretty perfect for the vibe of this album especially in its color scheme right the the pink and the yellow and the dark blue go so well together i'll be honest i didn't really know what kind of music dance gavin dance was before listening to this you didn't no if i had to guess i would have guessed pop just by the name okay yeah pop music is is dancey yeah and gaviny as gaviny as any other kind of music is <laughs> and definitely dancey again yeah dancey a second time <laughs> But yeah, um, I I just didn't know what to expect. And so seeing the album art kind of clued me in more, I think, to what I should expect. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is not a pop album cover. No, it's not. What album cover of Dance Gavin Dance is just, I know you haven't listened to anything but the one album. But based on album cover, what's your favorite? Oh, I really like the sour one or the sour whatever it's called. What's it called? The one that's just about to come out. I saw it on their website. Jackpot Juicer. That's what it is. Jackpot Juicer. I don't know where I got sour from. From Olivia Rodrigo. (laughs) It's where you stole. (laughs) Still waiting on her to smack me or whatever. You already forgot the joke. I did forget the joke. Wow. (laughs) We were going to make it into a shirt and you forgot the joke. I think... Oh, the, my favorite album cover is, it's tough to pick. Jackpot Juicer is an instant classic, though. Yeah, it just, it looked really cool. It sure does. It's very colorful. But yeah, that's it about the album art. One, one artist is the mastermind behind all of it. And I, I honestly don't think they've had a real miss, at least not for a while. Not in their current era, for sure. Also, before we start, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that you're going to witness two very different lyric writing styles here, right? Tillian and John each write their own lyrics for the most part. Tillian usually tries to fit the theme of the song. There are a lot more coherent, logical lyrics that are pretty much the main vehicle of the song's message. John Mess, on the flip side, takes his words and sometimes makes them inside jokes, unrelated commentary whatever sometimes he just chooses words because they're fun to scream and they sound interesting with the music and honestly i for me personally i'm here for it i think that combo works a lot yeah i was gonna say we'll see whether that works for you by the end of this album but it's certainly a a a new approach to writing lyrics that we haven't touched yet in any of our other records so up first track one chucky versus the giant tortoise who do you think wins it depends on how giant the tortoise is to be honest yeah, and which Chucky are we getting? You know, there's he has he has kind of different lo- power levels depending on the movie. Does he? I I haven't seen any of the Child's Play movies. I'll be honest, neither have I. I just took a guess. Typically, horror films are very bad at keeping uh that kind of canon intact. Oh, interesting. Well, who knew? I didn't know that. But yeah, it's a curious title, especially since the song has nothing to do with Chucky nor giant tortoises. Well, hang on. 
He goes on an optimistic magic fix-it pills bender. <laughs> yeah. And so who knows what he sees. <laughs> That's true. Well, the story behind that is that the band usually writes songs very fast. They'll do a practice or two, and then the song will be ready to go. So songs get churned out really quickly. And when they put this song together, Will Swan was in the midst of a binge of all the Child's Play movies. And so he said they just wanted to put Chucky in a title, and they wanted Chucky to be fighting something, which is why they just added a tortoise in. Swan called it one of his favorite song titles from the record. I agree, definitely. That and Chocolate Jackalope, I think, are my two favorite mm. titles from the album. They're both very good. This song, I think, is mostly a song of, of escapism, right? Diving into hobbies or substances or dress codes, cocktails, looking so fancy, just to shake your life up in any way that you can, right? Yeah. I do, I already said the line, but I do really like the internal rhyming with the optimistic magic fix it pills mm-hmm. yeah and that's one thing again john mess does it great he just picks words because they sound so good together back to back to back like that yeah i like the drums the instruments kick the album off so i think perfectly with that big like decayed like sweeping sound right at the start of this track i love it and then yeah mingus drums it right up you get right into it they don't waste any time getting to the kind of instruments that the entire band is built around which i love I also really enjoy the singing voice. Yes. Yeah, Tillian has a great voice, and it's surprisingly good with this type of music. He also has, like, solo albums and other more not Dance Gavin Dance projects that he does where he's, like, a pop singer. Ah, so I wasn't too far off with pop. Not too far. It's got pop elements built in here for sure. But when I first heard him, I was like, oh, he'd sound great as a pop singer. And then I listened to some of his solo stuff, and I was like, oh, no, he's way better with Dance Gavin Dance. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Post hardcore for him all the way. I love that pre chorus so much. That don't let this moment go to waste. You don't know when yeah. the feeling can happen again. It's uh that's the calm before the storm of the chorus. So I I really I really like I love the chorus actually. Yeah. Like the pre chorus is good, but the lyrical rhythm for the chorus is really good. And also the lyrical rhythms when again it's Tillian singing in the verses is really good. Mm-hmm. John Mess Screamo is you know, whatever. But the the way he his voice kind of rises above the complex instrumentals and kind of sits up there all lofty and kinda in that higher register is really good when you have these these uh the more bass heavy instrumentals and heavy drums. Mm-hmm. It's a surprising combo that works really well. I also where what's the what's the consensus on the line? Riding a rhino, pico de gallo, rooster's beak, I'll sleep when I leap this jeep. Classic, classic case of certified poetry. Yeah, I, I, I... <laughs> can't even be mad. You can't be mad, <laughs> but we don't have to certify it. It's uncertified poetry. How about that? It's... Oh, all right. Yeah. We haven't certified any poetry in a while, and I'm feeling the poetry itch. Okay, well, this is an interesting album to try and scratch <laughs> that with. It's the only one you brought me this week. I know. I love that bit at the end of the bridge. Ah, let's live in this delusion that we don't live in perpetual confusion and there's meaning to our lives. I, first of all, I just love the way he sings it. I love the way that all the instruments are going so hard right there. What are you doing? Huh? <laughs> what was that? Oh, I was I was humming part of the chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a catchy chorus and it gets stuck in your head. It does. And that's why I think I give this victory to the Giant Tortoise. The Giant Tortoise wins. Beat Chucky. Yeah, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And well, the song won, you know, it was the first track, but it, it, it held out throughout the rest of the album. Slow and steady-like. Interesting. Okay. I don't know if that made any sense at all, but I tried. I'm going to pretend that it did and move on. Next up is track two, Young Robot. 
and I kind of alluded to it earlier, but the robot with human hair is one of Dance Gavin Dance's multi-part sagas. Up till oh. yeah, up until Mothership, they released seven different parts on several different albums, and Young Robot is kind of meant to be a prequel to all of that. Oh yeah, I like the like the recorder going on. You know, this it's a synth- it's a synthesizer doing it. I think, but it's, a little flute type sound. It sounds like a flute recorder thing, mm-hmm. but it, it it's very. Uh, it gave me strong, I guess, flashback vibes. It, it works. It like really sets the mood for you. This is supposed. It feels like a prequel. Yeah, yeah. I've always loved the flute. It's one of the most distinctive features on this song, and that makes it a standout moment on the album, which. It's nice. This is unlike Olivia Rodrigo and Traitor. I gotta say, Young Robot is probably the perfect track two for this album. We're coming down off the high of Chucky versus the Giant Tortoise. And this song doesn't try and push it, but it also doesn't take it to zero. You know, this is a good song to keep us moving and be memorable, but not overdo it. In the music video, remember I mentioned some interesting music videos. It's spectacularly animated by John Howe, by the way, who has worked on other Dance Gavin Dance projects as well. We see how the robot gets his human hair in the first place and wins the heart of another robot as they escape from their school teacher, who's a very persistent dog. He's got an interesting animation style because he makes all of the assets in Photoshop and then he puts them into After Effects and then animates them that way. It took him five days to make the music video for this little three-minute song. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The lyrics in this song are a little nonspecific. That's my biggest criticism of them. They don't really tie you to anything super tangible. You know, I won't blame myself. Been a long time coming. They're going to follow me, whatever. This like, song did such a weird thing for me that I really like. Oh, okay. Yes, go on. It did that thing that several songs that we've talked about in the past have tried to do and to various degrees of success where like they take so many different stylistic choices that could all be their own focal point of unique songs and cram them all into this one. This is a crammed song. Yes. You know, the the intro set doesn't really fit with the verse, which doesn't really fit with the chorus. It's it's all over the place, but I like every single section for its own in its own way. Yes. Like there's not really a section I hate. That's that's great. Good. <laughs> and the only the only section I really didn't care for, but I I still end up enjoying because the lyrics are ridiculous is the screamo part in, uh, in the verses. Yeah, it's it's just corrosive. He's just screaming right in your face and I love it. I do. I, I put in my notes, too. This, this song in particular, it's very evident their ability just to transition so smoothly between post-hardcore and funk, between rough and smooth, between sense and nonsense. They just flip so many switches at will, just on, on a dime. And that makes for a really captivating sense of progression through these songs. And I also, I, I will certify as poetry the line, Drink that love, don't demand it, because baby, I can't stand it when you look so pathetic. That line, though, that benefits a lot from the funk rhythm that's beneath it. Yeah, it's okay because it starts out. I'm like, at first, I was like, "Where's this chorus going?" Because he really drags out the she said, and I'm like, "Uh oh, what are they doing? This is gonna ruin the song." And then they instantly fe- speed it up with that funk rhythm of the drink that love, don't, don't demand, demand it. it. <laughs> and I'm like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "I like it." Yes, <laughs> they really debated me. They did, but for the better. Yeah. I don't think that has a more specific, like, beneficial name. I was going to try and... There's not one. You know what there is one of. Is this... Okay. Is this a transition where I'm supposed to say the scrappy punchline? Or is this a transition where I'm supposed to... Do do what your heart says is right. (laughs) 
Just <laughs> uh, team me up again. You know what? There is one of a frozen one. <sighs> You're supposed to say what, and then I was gonna say a frozen well, one. Well, that's not what my heart felt was right. <laughs> yeah, well, your heart was wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> shoot. Yeah, Frozen One is track three on this album, and oh, it's it's yet again another tone shift in a lot of ways. Ah, yes, you know this relationship is growing cold, and you've got to put on airs to try and get through it. It's nice. That's the idea behind it. When this album came out in 2016, Will Swan didn't actually want to call this song Frozen One because Disney's movie Frozen was still way too big and popular, and he was worried oh. that people were going to conflate the two. And I'm, I think it's pretty safe to say that this is no Let It Go. No, it's not. Mm-mm. No. Will Swan does, though, while he doesn't compare it to Frozen, he does compare it to Janet Jackson. Oh. Uh, yeah, I know. An interesting, interesting comparison. Almost a weird comparison. Maybe, yeah. I love the vision here, right? We were never compatible, but somehow we still caught a fleeting spark, and now it's growing cold. That's very clever. That's an angle on a dying relationship that you don't really hear very much. Yeah. And there are, this is a song where they've got a lot of little blasts. Again, it's great, right? Right from that verse, it was never compatible, but something made it flammable. Yeah. We were so young and so jealous, and we let it all go to waste. It, it, it's a very well done metaphor it sure is and again the rhythm the vocal rhythms are like again i i, I can see here talk about the instrumentals all day long i'm very excited to go listen to the instrumental only version after this yes you'll love it i'm just gonna blanket statement instrumentals kill it on pretty much every song i'm gonna focus more on the vocal stuff i liked since i'm would just be repeating myself over and over on the instrumentals of course the vocal rhythms that tillian does on the verses the pre-chorus the chorus all the way through the song just so like i don't know what's there's a word i'm looking for it's so um bouncy but it's not really bouncy is not really the right word we'll get to the bounce yeah we'll get there it ping pongs all around but 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 i don't know it, it just goes everywhere oh he's got a huge range yeah well yeah but it, it's like this fluid um the best way i can describe it is like a pinball machine. Ooh, okay. You hit the little flipper, hit the ball up, and it just goes skyrocketing, bouncing off of every little spring thing it hits. Uh, and it just ding, 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 just all over the place, and you can barely track it. Yeah. that It's like that, but floaty. Like, take away the harshness of the pinball sounds and make it more floaty, but at that speed, it's just like all over the place and all bright and phantasmal and uh great sounding wow but yet at the same time very fluid interesting yeah i don't know if i can quite envision what you say but i'm glad that works for you no you think you're right though it's another one of those uh gopher metaphors again isn't it that it just doesn't really make sense you started it and led it off into a territory where we can't follow that's okay though and i love the bridge Go on and live your life running out the back door. Like, never address anything properly. Never sever the ties or provide any closure. Just run away like a coward and try to be unseen. What a, like, what a convicting line. That bridge has a lot of teeth, and I love that. A lot of teeth. Well, you want to get bouncy? Let's get bouncy. Track four on this album is Flossy Dicky Bounce. This song is named after a woman who lived to be 110 years old named Flossy Dicky. She passed away just a few months after the album's release, but they were inspired to name the song after her when she got interviewed on her 110th birthday. And it's a cringe fest. It's a cringe fest for the reporter for sure. Yeah. Did you watch it? Have you seen it? No. Oh, okay. It's just your... I was just agreeing with you. So is that why they start the song off with cocaine cringe fest? No, not in particular. It is a cringe fest. Maybe that's got something to do with it, but... 
yeah, it's it's actually just a it's a drug song. That's pretty much what it is. The lyrics talk all about the complications of being coked up, having overconfidence and oversharing some interpersonal troubles, other things like that. Let's see. That make the song not in any way related to a 110-year-old woman. I don't have much to say about the song itself. The song is the song was the first song on the album that I didn't really it, it, that was kind of a take it or leave it for me. Yeah, it would be on my lower tier of songs from this album. It's pretty much a song about just trying to keep the party going as long as possible so you don't have to feel the negative after effects and suffer the consequence from your actions. Just living it, not fighting it. Just living it, not fighting it. That's the way to go. And when the sun comes up, we won't be wondering what could have been, should have been. Who names their kid Flossie Dickie? Mr. and Mrs. Dickie. What do you think their first names were? I don't know what their first names were. You think one of them was Brushy? Br- Are you trying to do a dentist thing? <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of another dentist term other than brush and floss that I could use for the other one. Deception is the next track on the album, and it's honestly one of the more traditional or conventional songs on the record. There aren't a ton of different moving parts and funky sections. It's a little more straightforward. Yes. Has a softer guitar at the beginning. Yeah, which is honestly, once again, a nice change of pace. Almost like they did with Young Robot, where they slow us down for a little bit. An Unfaithful Lover is about, and the speaker is just realizing this and coming to terms with that relationship failing, right? All of this was make-believe, and they're pulling back the covers on all the lies that their partner told. This is a song in particular where John Mess's lyrics don't quite match what's going on with the rest of the song. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. Because it does keep things quite interesting. But I do love... But you see, even again, Tillian does that thing where when he comes in with the you've never been me before, it like ping-pongs, bum, 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 bum. It's like all over the place in terms of what notes he's hitting. It's great. There's very little about this album that I would call stagnant. I like it. In fact, I think it just moves the entire time. I Also, I love the line, I won't be plastic and neutered and numb. Like, I'll be resilient in the face of this tragedy and this revelation. I don't think, like I mentioned... There aren't a lot of sonic deviations from the sound they established early on. No funk, no pop, no whatever. It's just deception all the way through. But I like the way that they leverage that and manage to, like you talked about in some of these songs, every piece of the song sounds different. The verse doesn't match the chorus, doesn't match the intro. This one, they show off their ability to make a verse and a chorus and a bridge that sound distinct yet similar, which is nice. I like the line antiquated, overrated, so- social, well, you know what. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but again, the, the internal rhyme in the line, antiquated, overrated. Good. That's great. And then I love right after that, we're doing the thing again. I love right after that, the music. <laughs> I don't need yes, you. Where he goes music. up into the stratosphere. Beautiful. Yeah, he does. It's nice. Now, you at home, I'm taking this transition. I'll allow it. You at home have been listening to this podcast for... 55 episodes now probably maybe in a row i don't know and you may be wondering hey you have this mixtaper how can i get my own mixtaper and if you want some tips and tricks on how to get your own mixtaper i suggest you pull up this next track inspire the liars i don't get it It was because the mixtaper is a liar so if you wanted to no he's a spinner and a factor he's a fact he's a factor in my crushing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this song right here, Inspire the Liars, is the song that introduced me to Dance Gavin Dance and got me into the band. And to this day, it consistently remains in my top three favorites for their entire career. If not my favorite Dance Gavin Dance song altogether. It's kind of a rotating top three, right? I can never quite settle on one, but this one frequently ends up at the top. Give me a C. A C. Give me an R. R. Give me a U. No. 
Me and S. Why are you doing this? Me and H. No. Because I'm going to have to tell you this one. I'm going to spoil it for you right now. Did not make my top three. Not even the top three. Not, it did not make the Connorable top three. And so if it's in your top three like of all time. Yeah. Uh, this is the only list of Dance Gavin Dance songs I know, and it didn't even make this top three. Well, that's sad. But I'm interested to hear eventually what your top three actually ends up being. I like this song. It's a song that's very critical of organized religion, especially its leaders, as they sing about creating this cult-like atmosphere to kind of bring themselves power and, you know, just gratification. What did you think of the part, you know, I'll tell you something that you may want to hear, but I'll lie, where he really just screams lie at you. Did you not love that? My, that's my, that's my uh, life every night. Your, that's your life every night? Every night is like that? Every night, part of the mixtaper's good night ritual. He just tells you that he's going to lie, screams it in your face. He doesn't scream it in my face, but uh, he does when, you know, he lays down in the bed, gets all tucked in, says goodnight to the gopher. Sure. And then he just lets out one big, why, uh, before he goes to sleep. <laughs> Doesn't he yell spin? Interesting. Uh, yeah, you know, he mixes it up. Mm-hmm. Well, I, uh, that's a very interesting piece of mixtaper lore. I love that part, and then I love, you know, some of the ideas that they put in here, like how a cult leader would operate, right? We can blind their eyes with faith and tell them that without me, their souls will die. Let's like create this real sense of urgency. It also criticizes oil commerce, of all things, and the rich people that control the game and leave everyone else with, in this case, very literal crap. Honestly, you know, lyrically, looking at some of the lyrics in this song, I can understand why parts of it might not make your top three. Well, lyrically, I didn't even really pay too much attention to the lyrics. I just didn't get into the song as much on this one. Well, I direct your attention to the end of verse one. It is a weird line. <laughs> it's a bunch of weird lines. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's um, that's something. That parable is indeed terrible. It sure is. But I always, 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 always will love that shift into I won't stop till my head blows. That's they They really get funky right there. And it's one of the best switches into that style that they do, I think, anytime ever. It's good stuff. Up next... Track number seven is Philosopher King. Honestly, as a track that follows an all-time favorite for me, Philosopher King often got overlooked in my early years of listening to the album. Really? Er, in my early years, yes. And now? And now, it does not get nearly as overlooked. In your olden days? In my, my elder years. <laughs> it definitely holds up, and... It's different. It's different for this album. And I don't know if it necessarily meshes as well as some of the other ones do, but it's still very good. The title is derived from Plato, the philosopher, right? Who came up with this idea of a perfect utopian society that was ruled by an intellectual class of people. A quote-unquote philosopher turned king. So this song then is all about who's going to lead you, who's going to pick you up when you run into an obstacle... And it also talks about thriving in a competitive environment, probably projecting the superiority of the Philosopher King onto our speaker. The refrain on this song that Tillian does reminded me of another song, and I could not place it. Yeah, uh, I can't place it either. But it's very good. We have a lot of trouble lately with not placing refrains. We've had a couple where we're like, this is so familiar. Yeah. Oh, it's good stuff. It's also one of my better, I think it is one of the better um, John Mess screamo bits as well well that's one of the songs where he gets the most screen time honestly this is a song that's a majority john instead of yeah the usual tillian majority sure but you know typically whenever he's doing his thing like he he squanders what little time he was given on other songs and now when they some 
Some other songs. So, but on this one, where they really just let him go wild with it, he did a good job. I have to agree. Every time they, they turn John Mess loose, it's just always such a delight. And I think we're going to see a lot of that on Jackpot Juicer. Uh, the singles are very mess-heavy, and I love that. And Philosopher King has some really sneakily good guitar parts. It's in the lower range most of the time, so it doesn't have the same like immediate wow factor as Chucky versus the Giant Tortoise or something, but there's definitely a lot of appeal here if you're willing to take the time and pick it apart. I like Philosopher King. It's good. I agree. But I don't think it's as good as Here Comes the Winner. I like Here Comes the Winner. It's another song about competition. Specifically, Will Swan said that it's meant to be a reference to The Voice and other similar reality competition shows where they canvas a large group of people to pick out, you know, the best of the best, which is where we get lines like win the hearts of America with manufactured shine, right? Nobody wants you to be yourself. They want the fake tears, the sob story, the underdog, the one who has it all together. You have to project that if you want to be the winner. That's the idea of the song. It's kind of sarcastic, pretty backhanded. If I had decided to cash in one of those uh, Connor extra picks that costs me in the future, this would have been the one I took, mm. but I didn't do that. Well, it's not too late. No, no, I, I, I think I will not. Okay. The song goes through all that, and then we double back into this commentary about people who think that they're kind of above that facade, right? People who claim to be better than those clowns in their plastic faces and self-abasement. Which is funny because it's, it's like such an obvious critique of them, right? It's easy for us as the audience to see how that's, you know, just perpetuating the same thing. Being the winner for yourself, projecting this image. But the dramatic irony is lost on the speaker, which is nice. And I love everything. Everything about moments together. Sell them well. The lyric, the singing, the power behind that gets me every time. Moving right along, track number nine, Exposed. Oh, get exposed. We're exposing track number nine. We're exposing exposed yes it's a song about predictably vulnerability our speaker is totally emotionally exposed to his partner and feeling afraid because of it but i know you know that what we've got's no joke like if you take this seriously and you love and support me in spite of all the things that i've opened up to you about i've exposed to you all the secrets i shared then we'll make it through this is kind of their take on a ballad it's as close as you get yes it's it's a hard rock ballad shell and there's honestly Mm -hmm. there's not really any john mess on this song which makes it stand out and stand alone on the record in that regard i don't know if the song is worse off i'm the ballad guy but i didn't really get into this one well it's not it's again not a ballad in the traditional sense no but i i do my best to Use anything that sounds remotely ballad as an excuse to get into it. That's true. I'm actually a little surprised, but I'm honestly pretty happy that you liked some of the other songs better than this. This is like a softball track from the album, I think. If you don't like post-hardcore music and I have to show you a song from this album, I'm probably starting with Exposed. Fair enough. Yeah. Although if I didn't start with Exposed, I could conceivably start with Betrayed by the Game. We've got a little two-song dip here. Like, Here Comes the Winner is big and heavy-handed, and exposed and betrayed by the game back it off a lot in terms of just the overall just polish of the sound. These are a lot more polished songs. And to that point, too, I usually also group it in with Deception because it tells a pretty full story. And again, it leans heavier on the clean vocals. It's really melodic and a lot smoother than most of the rest of the record. As for the title... Will Swan says, Betrayed by the Game is another one I named. I just thought the song was sad, so I wanted to make a thug sad title, and it stuck. And he wasn't sure it was going to get on the record, but it did. He said he got a lot of his little joke titles through onto the final cut of the record. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Good for him. 
I know. He, it's That's another thing I like about this album is it seems to be one that the band particularly enjoyed creating in every facet, which honestly makes it so much more fun to listen to. Betrayed by the Game is about the fallout after a hard breakup. There's more vulnerability, this feeling hollow. We got so high we couldn't see the bottom. Everything kind of falls apart all at once. And they use the, the metaphor of this car crash to illustrate that, which I just really have always loved. I crashed my car and it got me thinking of you. Like in this destruction and the the twisted metal and the you know fear and the pain and the hurt and in the aftermath it reminded me of you because that was the way our relationship went down they pair that literal line that Tillian has with john's more metaphorical fly your soul through the windshield and i think that pretty much sums up the song honestly and those two little lines yeah yeah betrayed by the game what game could never betray you what game do you think could never betray you factor spin oh i sometimes get betrayed by factor spin (laughs) or you get betrayed by yourself while playing factor spin deep that's a deep question honestly it's hard to say was it Mm -hmm. you know factor spin is full of a lot of animal facts though that's one thing about it so this next song often makes me think of factor spin and the next song is petting zoo justice petting zoo justice is just chaos you think this was uh in relation to the beach boys getting kicked out kicked out of the zoo oh i don't know yeah this is the justice for that whatever they did i forget what they did they threw a carrot at a tiger and messed with the goats and stuff left chickens around right that's what they did oh yes that's right that's right will swan said the petting zoo justice was the most ridiculous song it's heavy it's corrosive it's a lot of screaming and animals fighting i have to ask which animal in this song do you think wins the entire fight where are you placing your bet he names a lot of animals i'm gonna go with the hmm the gray ducks kind of like the gray parrot we talked about that's true. I don't know if the gray parrot could win in a fight. It screams. Can I choose the giant tortoise from song one? Oh, you want to take the giant tortoise into the petting zoo? Yeah. Mm. Uh, we'll clean up that petting zoo fight ring, all right? We'll, we'll come in and we'll clean house. That sounds like a plan. If I were a betting man, I'd put my money either on the shark dad that takes out the baby calf or on the horse that beats up your parents. Those are my <laughs> two strongest contenders. Well, not the green clam? No, I don't think it's going to do much. (laughs) What's it going to make a pearl? Ooh, so scary. Up next is a song that you've already praised the title of, and that is Chocolate Jackalope. Honestly, a real return to form for the album. After we go through the heavy songs and the the clean songs, this Chocolate Jackalope is, is once again a good blend of styles. Other than the title and that sick guitar riff at the beginning, don't have much else to say about it. Really? Wow, you, you faded off fast on the back half of this album. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I did. We were starting so strong. I was impressed with how much you liked every track. Yeah, I didn't hate the song. This was probably one of my top songs for the latter half of the album. Okay, good call. It was probably um Here Comes the... What would I say? Here Comes the Winner was the one I said I'd take if I could take another. Mm-hmm. It was probably Here Comes the Winner and Chocolate Jackalope for, for the back half. That's true. Okay, good. I like it. Now, this song, you mentioned the guitar riff at the beginning. This song starts off with what Will Swan calls the Einstein riff. And to be honest, I do think it's one of the most impressive guitar songs on the whole record. And it also incorporates a lot of references to some of their older work, which is always cool as a fan. You know, something like we saw with the 1975, where they just pull sonic motifs and lyrical parallels from their older work. It's nice. Lyrically, the song's a little bit of a jumble, but it's fun. We get some iconic Dance Gavin Dance lines here. John screams about how he can't wait to tap into the brain of his cat and let him know he's the little baby. 
And Tillian talks about all the youthful energy that this song and the rest of the band's music really inspires in him. The other thing we have to point out is very 2016. They do a little parody, little reference to Drake's Hotline Bling because it was just huge at the time and they wanted to kind of make fun of it a little bit. And I love how that section right after the Hotline Bling bit, love how that ends, right? I just want to be in my zone. I just want to be in control. No time for you. It's great. How do we feel about the line, I'm not even a man, I'm just a cat in disguise? It makes me question everything he does, honestly. <laughs> he could be a cat in disguise, for all I know. Yeah. Um. Also, I have one other question before we move on. I'll do my best. So we've determined you know, the giant tortoise is our current reigning champ in all these fights. Presumably. Uh, presumably. Uh, but would he beat a chocolate jackalope? The chocolate jackalope would melt under the pressure. Do you think? Probably. The mythological creature. I don't know mythological is the right word. It's a folklore mythical creature. It's a fictional creature that's a rabbit with antlers. I think myth. I think I think mythical is. It's it, a cryptid. <laughs> yeah, it's a cryptid. But what are cryptids but modern day myths? Ooh, deep. Are you a philosopher king? Yeah, I definitely am a philosopher and a king. But am I a philosopher king? We'll have to see. See if I can beat the. Maybe that's what they're all fighting for. Let's see who's the philosopher king. Mm. Right now, it looks like it's going to be the giant tortoise. A running theme through the album. Yes. Yes. I th- I think we should do chocolate jackalopes instead of Easter chocolate bunnies at Easter. At Easter? Well, you do get more chocolate because yeah. of the extra antlers. But it's not as catchy to say the Easter jackalope came last night and hid your baskets. I think it's I think it's great. It's too many syllables. I mean, it would make more sense for why it leaves eggs. I don't know what the myth uh, behind the... Do you know what an antelope is? Yeah. Do you know what a jackrabbit is? They run with the deer. Yeah, I know, but, you know, we're talking mythical creatures that don't really exist, so who knows what other... Maybe it's like a platypus. Oh, they lay eggs. A jackalopus. You've got some interesting theories. Find out more in my next seminar at the Philosopher King Palace. Cool. Nice. What's the seminar for? Because I'm man of the year. I don't like that. that how was that transition? Yeah. Eh. Well, all right then. Man of the Year is the final track on this record. Lots happening on this one. I think this is one of the most cluttered songs, if I had to pick one and assign it that for some reason. Because I feel like it's got a lot of different sections, and I don't think they necessarily flow as well as some of the earlier tracks. A lot of moving parts, and it's funny because, ha, literally moving parts. Because it's all about being faithful to your partner while you're out on the road, a la Kisses Beth the same idea the entire time i was listening to this song i just kept thinking go 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 go, go, go. away i'm ready for this to be over you're ready for it to be you didn't like wow okay no it was all right it was all right that was a little harsh maybe it was like if you want to talk about certified poetry on the seas of mass temptation keep your course of moderation promise to be faithful when you go and if you prove a lying coward feel the wrath of higher powers that's a very Meh. involved line Meh. Meh. Wow. It's no whatever I tried to certify earlier. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't have too, too much to say about Man of the Year. I think it's a good song, but it does land at the bottom half of what this album has to offer for me. The, this kind of music in general just isn't my style, and so my my attention span and tolerance for it isn't quite built up, and so by the end of track 13, I was, I was kind of done. Mm. That's probably part of it, too. To some degree, it's definitely an acquired taste. It's not an album for everybody. It's it's not necessarily an album for nobody. I acquired the taste right away. It's just, it's like when you have too much... Your stamina. It's like when you eat too many peeps on Easter Day. and The Easter jackalope brought you too many peeps. <laughs> yeah, and you, you got them all in, and then they just, your mouth, you know, it just tastes awful every time you put more in your mouth. It just, the taste goes bad. Mm, you're peeped out, yeah. I'm too much... I'm all peeped out. This album peeped me out, all right? You're exposed. (laughs) 
yeah, I guess that makes a lot of sense. It's too much too much of a thing that initially was pretty good. You can't you can't eat enough peeps yet. I'll allow that ridiculous metaphor to stand. But I think it's time we we spin finally. That's right. With that, we should get into final spin. This is a wild album. Start to finish. I don't think it's like anything we've touched so far. Probably not even a little bit, which is what I like about it. Honestly, I think it brings a lot of unique angles to the podcast, a lot of unique flavors to the music on our playlists and in our repertoire. I am biased towards this album. It's one I picked because I like it, and it's one I like because I picked it. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a good album. There's a lot of quality, high, high quality instruments here. Their musical skill is off the charts. Tillian singing, John Mess is screaming. It's great all the way through. I honestly don't have too many complaints. Musically, I love the way that they transition between styles so seamlessly and effortlessly. I think music on this album it's pretty catchy all the way through and, and really solid. I'm giving it a 92. Lyrics are a bit of a different story. This disjointed style with two very different approaches to lyric writing is interesting because you get a lot of the lyrics that sound good together and then you get a lot of the lyrics that mean things that are impactful to the song. And they don't always necessarily line up. There are some weird lyrics, there's some nonsense lyrics that don't always get the job done, but they hold their own, and backed by the strong instrumentals, it's very easy enough to overlook any kind of lyrical dip in quality. I'm giving lyrics an 86. Instruments of production, it's a pretty clean album, honestly. The parts where it loses me a little bit are like, I again, Philosopher King is a little muddy, Petting Zoo Justice is a little bit heavy-handed, and then we have that stretch that's exposed, betrayed by the game, and maybe a little bit of Here Comes the Winner. It's just, it honestly goes to the other extreme, and it's not quite hard enough. But other songs, you know, Inspire the Liars, Chocolate Jackalope, Chucky versus the Giant Tortoise, they strike that perfect balance. So while their instrumentation is stellar, there's a couple of interesting production spots. Did you say Chocolope? Chocolate Jackalope. Uh, it sounded like you said Chocolope, which I think is hilarious. Well, I don't know if you said that or not. I don't know if but... I did or not either. <laughs> now I'm questioning everything. <laughs> Uh, I love it if you said Chocolope. I need to know. Instruments and Productions getting a 90. And overall vibe, like I said, it's one of Dance Gavin Dance's most consistent albums to date. Well, and when I say to date, I mean at least before yesterday, because the new album out today may change the whole game. Who knows? I think it's a well-put-together album. I don't think it ever stagnates. I don't think it ever gets boring. I'm giving the vibe a 93. Very fun. Very fun album to listen to. Overall, that gives this record a score of 91.2 and puts it at a respectable number 58 on the list. Mm, another one that's in your top 100, even though mine are not. It is another one up there in the top 100. Hit me with those top three. My top three in... Album order. Woo! Chucky versus the Giant Tortoise. Nice. Classic pick. Young Robot. Oh, chronological. Honorable mention. Frozen One. Oh, we're staying. Wow. And the final top three pick, Philosopher King. Okay, we did a jump there. Wow, Philosopher King's not one I ever would have considered for my own top three. But I like that. I really liked it. I really liked it. I like the album a lot. Like I said, the music is phenomenal. I'm very excited to go listen to the instrumental only version. You're going to love the, oh, you're going to love it so much. All their instrumentals for every album, honestly, are just as good as this. Uh, yeah, the, the lyrics were silly a, a lot, um, but I didn't really care too much. Uh, overall, it was, a, it, was, it was a fun album to listen to. It's a fun genre of music to kind of be more exposed to. And so, uh, for your for your birthday pick, I'm giving Mothership by Dance Gavin Dance six. Ooh, out of ten. Six. Okay, 
I see. What, let me do a little thought experiment. What if we lopped off everything after Philosopher King? Where do the first seven tracks go? Uh, I think if you lopped off everything after Here Comes the Winner. Okay. And kept Chocolate Jackalope instead of instead of Flossy Dicky Bounce. Okay. This would get an eight. Wow. Okay. Wow. The the back half really brought you down by like two points. Yeah. Well, yeah. Honestly, I'm pretty happy with a six. This is an album. I mean, you've done we've done some hard rock and we've done some metal. We haven't ventured much into screaming yet. And so this is just a little dose of screaming with a little like it's heavily diluted with funk and pop vibes, right? Yep. So I'm trying to feel you out a little bit at a time. This one's going to slot right above Coloring Book, actually. Nice. And, you know, what unit it's going to have, what's slightly more than six chance sticks? Well, that would be six peeped-out Easter jackalopes. Very interesting for an episode that's coming out in late July. Six peeped-up Easter jackalopes. I like it. I I have another version of it as well. Sure. It's six peeped out philosopher tortoises. Oh, I almost like that better. He's the king and he's peeped out. <laughs> peeped out king. Just a, a peeped out king ruling over his kingdom. <laughs> My unit could alternatively be six peeped out kings, and then only people who listen to the episode know that the king is a philosopher tortoise. Oh, mm, that's involved. Pe- peeped out kings. That's a catchy, that's a <laughs> snappy unit, honestly. That one rolls right off the tongue. I like it. That's what we're going to do. Peeped out kings, and everybody who listened to the episode will just know that... The king is a, is a tortoise. Not just a tortoise, but a giant philosopher tortoise. That's right. That's just crushed Chucky. Well, you love to see it. Honestly, happy with the six. What is your playlist pick? What's yours? You first. Let me think for a moment. Let me think. Yeah, it's your birthday one. I'll pick first. Thank you. Please. Let me this think. This is my one birthday present from you. A six on the album, and I get to pick the playlist song second. <laughs> It's either Young Robot or Philosopher King. Mm. I know which one of those two I would take. Yeah. I don't know which one of those two you would take. Of those two, I would take Young Robot, probably. But Philosopher King does present a different side to this album. Yeah, um, but I do think Young Robot's probably the better choice. And since that's the one you would take, I'll I'll go with that one. Wow. Other than, you know, I'm being generous. It's like a third birthday present. Thank you for your generosity. You're allowed to come back to next week's episode of the podcast. Whoa! I, <laughs> I'll repay your kindness with kindness. I so want to take Inspire the Liars. But? I love Inspire the Liars a lot. But? It's one of my favorites, but I can acknowledge that it's probably not for everyone. So I'm going to pivot and I'll take Chucky versus the Giant Tortoise. The King! We'll take tracks one and two (laughs) off this album, even though Chocolate Jackalope was also a strong contender for me. I had a top three for the playlist, at least. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Spin It. We're taking the mothership. We're flying away for a week, and then we're coming back next week with a listener pick episode, another album that you... The writing department recommended to uh, the A&R department when they pick music. That's right. I'm getting the departments all mixed up. It's hard. We need, we need a department head. We need a department department. Sole job is to organize and maintain our departments. Yeah, to organize the departments. I like it. Well, we'll see you next week with that special pick. If you've recommended an album to us, keep an ear out. Who knows? It could be yours. And uh, until then, have a fantastic week. Check out Jackpot Juicer wherever albums are, I guess. Not sponsored, unless they want to. Say, hey, Dance Gavin Dance, if you want to sponsor us, we'll say Jackpot Juicer another couple times. But go listen to it. I'm excited. Say two times fast. And again, I'm going to be listening to that album on repeat for a long, long time. Anyway, we'll see you soon.
Have a great week. Have a great... Oh my goodness, it's going to be August. And keep spinning. Keep spinning. Sorry if it seemed, I seemed a little distracted by that. I was uh, listening to Hate Beak. Hate, you had Hate Beak on the whole time? Did you record this whole episode with a parrot screaming in your ear? Perhaps. A 21-year-old African gray parrot named Waldo. Where's Waldo? In my ears. I don't even know if you're joking or not. That's how <laughs> That's how you operate. Is That could totally be 100% real. And I just, I'd have no idea. Waldo makes my ears smile. <laughs> <laughs>